1: Player Profiler and our podcast network is super resource intensive and we rely on premium subscriptions to the website playerprofiler.com to keep the engine running. Go there, sign up for our player rankings, Dynasty Deluxe, DFS package, or go all in. Those that subscribe are everything to us.
0: Welcome back to First Class Fantasy. I'm Theo Greminger. I'm joined, as always, by Billy Muzio. And today we have an awesome guest, my friend and sometimes co-manager, Nelson Sousa. Nelson and I uh, split a team in the NFFC uh, for the NFFC New York Super. We've done it for a couple of years. This year, we're getting them, Nelson. Last year was 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 unlucky. We've had some unfortunate injuries, but we're going to put together a monster this year. And if if you do not know Nelson, Nelson is legitimately one of the top you know, handful of drafters in the country. Uh, I think that it's very difficult to make a list of the best high-stakes minds without including Nelson. The biggest compliment I can give you, Nelson, is that you're an influencer among some of the players with the most skin in the game. If there's a player that Nelson is big on or a player that Nelson is not drafting, big-time high-stakes players will realize that over a summer and i think that that's probably the biggest compliment i can give anybody that's come on the show is that you influence some of the best drafters in the country. We're so thrilled to have you on today. June 1st is like the official start to to uh to this to yeah. this thing of ours, guys. So, Nelson, welcome to First Class Fantasy. We're really really thrilled to have you.
2: Thanks, guys. I appreciate it. Glad to be on. Excited to start getting into football. I actually started uh my football research uh just a little bit later than than usual just been busy with family and stuff
0: so nelson's not only a high volume high stakes player with a ton of success and just to give you a few of his accolades nelson along with dave hubbard uh has won won the ffpc main event nelson has taken down the nffc platinum twice right correct two times right nelson Mm -hmm. which that is a twenty thousand dollar entry league so that's not you know not not chicken scratch everybody that's a legit league last year Last year, Nelson was the, the primetime uh, runner-up in the NFFC and w- would have shipped it uh, if a few things would have happened uh, schedule-wise. We'll leave it at that. We don't need to delve into um, <laughs> you know what happened at the end of last year. But uh, Nelson is not only a high-stakes player, but Nelson, you're also a, a content c- contributor, uh, do some great, great things over at FTN. Why don't you let everybody know what you have on tap um, article-wise, podcast-wise this summer?
2: Yeah, I'm I'm back with FTN and it's, you know, business as you, usual. Um, I run the high stakes uh, fantasy football content there and I have like a coaching package um, that people can sign up for and it gives access to me, you know, 24 seven. So throughout the draft season, I'm putting out whether it's, you know, s- draft streams or uh, content uh, with like draft boards talking about, um, team construction, things like that. And then during the season, um, it's just, you know, 24-7 talking about fab, waiver wire, you know, player pickups, um, setting lineups, trade talk, you know, um, what's a good trade, what's a bad trade, uh, stuff like that. So um, it it was pretty successful last year, uh, the last couple of years. And, you know, we're continuing on this year.
0: Yeah, it's it's tremendous stuff that you put out. It's very uh, you've had a lot of tremendous hits over the years. I think that the thing that you're most most well known for in the industry is the fades list. It's you basically have a different kind of system for drafting uh, with your fades list. Why don't you kind of share with everybody kind of what that thing is?
2: Sure. So my fade list, you know, as far as when you compare it to others uh, that are out there, Um, I'm, I'm not picking guys that are going after, you know, the 10th round, because I I feel like if a guy busts, you you know, it's expected almost, uh, at that point in in the draft, because your hit rate as the draft goes on, uh, becomes less and less. So my thing is more about the guys that could hurt you in your draft structure in the first, you know, the first few rounds. So those are the guys that I try to pinpoint and figure out, you know, which guys don't belong, which guys are just, you know, full out fades, which guys are fades based on ADP. Um, But, you know, my process is basically, you know, the first thing I start off with is um, any player that was a waiver wire pickup um, the year before and is going, you know, typically in the top five rounds, you know, this year, they're a fade for me. Um, and, And that's just, that's worked out for me uh, through the years. And it's usually because, you know, let's face it, that player just wasn't good enough uh, to draft and didn't have, you know, whether they didn't have high draft capital or, or weren't talented enough um, they weren't on anyone's radar. And then they were picked up the year prior and now they're just overvalued and they're going in the top five rounds. And those guys usually kind of, kind of sting you uh the following year so the that's, just
0: justin Forsett's, the mike davises those kind of guys correct
2: uh we're dating back to like zach stacy cj yeah. anderson um i i i want to say uh who am i thinking baltimore running back uh who was who was the guy uh, a few years ago
0: that was that was, that was the fort was that the fort set year that was the fort set year i think yeah
2: maybe maybe it was Forsett. i yeah Yeah, it's it's not coming to mind right now. But, yeah, it's it's a lot of those guys. Uh, You know, uh, even um, uh, the Kansas City guy, uh, Damian Williams, was another guy. The year prior, he was a waiver wire pickup, if you remember, down the stretch. And he helped uh, a lot of teams uh, win in the playoffs. And the following year, he was going, like, in the second or third round. And he was just – he was kind of a nobody and, and people were, you know, tripping over themselves to draft the guy. And those are the ones that you, you have to be able to take a step back, take a deep breath and, and realize that, you know, this is, you know, kind of like the, you know, the game, what doesn't belong when you were a kid, you know, uh, all the different shapes and numbers and things like that. And the colors, well, you know, you have to take a step back and say, okay, what player doesn't belong you know, in in this group of players in this round. So, yeah. So that that's part of the process. Um, the other part of the process is just drafting and figuring out ADP and who I think is just overvalued and you know is not going to pay off their their price tag. Um, and then what this I've made an adjustment over the years because it, it's not. Uh, cookie cutter, but uh, wide receivers changing teams um, in their first year had typically, if I faded them, uh, that had worked out. The problem is we've had, in the last few years, we've had a lot of elite wide receivers, talented wide receivers change teams. And I've figured out that, you know, my process, I needed to make that adjustment. You know, it, it's not, it doesn't go for elite wide receivers. Those guys like the Stefan Diggs first year in Buffalo. Um, There there was a couple of other guys. Um, It was
0: DeAndre Hopkins that same year.
2: uh, Yeah, Hopkins with Arizona, right? Um, Even Devontae Adams last year, Tyreek last year.
0: A.J. Brown um, last year, yep.
2: A.J. Brown, you know, uh, it's more of like the lower level, uh, talented wide receivers, changing teams, and it depends on their ADP. So it's kind of... It, I mix, I, it's a little bit of a recipe, you know? So like, for example, this year you have like Juju Smith-Schuster just changed teams. Um, He's not a fade for me because he's going in like the 10th round. So I don't look at like, he's not a guy that's really going to hurt you if he doesn't work out. I'm looking at guys more like in the first few rounds, those are the ones that can sting and, you know, screw up your, uh, your teams.
0: And uh, Nelson's also rooting for Juju cuz he's a diehard New England Patriots fan as well. Nelson.
2: Yeah, 100%. Billy, I, I got to find a player that I can draft from New England.
0: You got to find one. We they got yeah. there was a couple. Uh but Billy, uh we're going to I want to pick your brain on some of your your philosophies, but first let's take a word from our sponsor.
1: Oh, baseball season's heating up. It's all about baseball right now. You know, eh, baseball, baseball. Yeah, baseball is the most exploitable of the sports, especially on rival fantasy, rival fantasy.com go there. Now they have the fantasy book where you can take over under a certain number of fantasy points and they have challenges, where you can take player X or player Y I get great pleasure out of fading Mike trout into oblivion. And then don't forget about fantasy bingo where you can say, okay, I think a is going to steal a base today. I think that Freddie Freeman's going to have two hits based on the matchup, the lefty righty and the pitcher quality matchups that you could exploit are unlike any other sport. Go to rival fantasy.com Use the promo code PLAYER. They refund any losses up to 50 bucks, and they are a great supporter of Player Profiler. Everything we do, this show in particular, is only possible because of Rival. RivalFantasy.com. The promo code is PLAYER.
0: So, Billy, I can't think of a better guest to have on today because we referenced the NFFC super, the New York super, which is kind of, I think, the the biggest draft NFFC draft on the East coast. And tonight we have probably the biggest FFPC known draft uh, for the early part of the summer, at least until we get to Vegas uh, with the hard way me and you are competing. Uh, Your, your, your thoughts on, on, on your, your plan tonight, you're, you're drafting out of the four hole. I'm drafting out of the nine. So we're not next to one another. Uh, Maybe you could talk a little bit about, about the league we're in and kind of, Maybe you react to some of the things Nelson said as well.
3: Yeah, the Hardway Draft is is the name of the draft. What we're doing tonight, and um, it's it's a collective group of analysts and proven high stakes players that have done well inside of the high stakes uh, leagues. This kind of lets people plant their flags. You get to see who people are going after. Uh, ADP is usually out the window with these drafts. As you see people go early, you see people go late. Uh, just depends upon the room and and what people are promoting. Uh, and, and it's always fun to, to draft in these, I have my draft partner, Dave Hubbard, um, who's a, a friend of the podcast will be joining me from the four hole. Uh, we have a strategy already in place and are ready to, to rock and roll. And, uh, if there's a, one player that would be pretty consistent with ADP in that range, if he's not there, then ADP is out the window.
0: Yeah. It's funny because, you know, we, Nelson talked about his fade list. And when you get to, I was just in a, a football or excuse me a fantasy pros championship draft this past <laughs> weekend uh shout out to our friends at at fantasy pros for sponsoring that but it's funny because that was that was a pretty sharp draft but this is a really sharp one and sometimes in these really really sharp rooms you'll see guys just drop like a stone i remember this was last last year austin austin r martin a friend of ours he finally took derrick henry at like a disgustingly late late time and he ended five. Up, yeah it was super super late so a guy always falls. Um, but it, it's gonna be it's gonna be really, really exciting. I'm at the nine hole, so I'm in between Dwayne McFarlane and a B-bag Batoba. I told them I'm both gonna snipe both their asses all night long. Mm-hmm. I'm gonna take some I'm gonna take some good ones. So I have a plan as well, but um it's it's a it's a kind of draft where it's good to have a plan, but you need to be able to adjust on the fly. Um, so it's it we're really stoked about that. And I wanted to get back to Nelson's fade list. So Nelson um, you know, graciously gave me a target, gave me a fade that we're going to talk about today. Um, you can go and purchase his work, if you, especially if you like what you're hearing here tonight. I highly recommend it. Um, Nelson, one player that it's going to be sad. I'm I'm on Long Island. You're a New York guy. It's a sad one for me to hear that you are fading Brees Hall. Why don't you share kind of your thoughts on why you're fading Brees Hall? Because the guy's going right now, I think as of last night, he's going 30th um, overall in in FFPC, uh, similar range in the in the in the NFFC. Why are you fading him? And is this a rule based fade or is this just a gut feel?
2: No, th- this one's a rule based fade. So um, any any player coming off of uh, ACL uh, type of surgery, um, I'm always fading the first year back. Um, the the production, you know, the stats say that the production is just not there the first year back. Um, I understand that he's uh, an, an elite type of running back and he's very talented and he's young. Uh, so the recovery process should go over well, but I'll give you an example. Last year, J.K. Dobbins was a fade for me. And you saw, you know, he came back, felt like it was a little too early, had some complications. And then he started, you, you started seeing him kind of go back to his old self late in the year um so it's I like Brees Hall I think he's a good player and and I think that he will get better as the season goes on but you know third round pick second round pick possibly you know I'm I'm just out on him this year no
0: Nelson is there correlation with the fade here so if you're out on Brees Hall are you in on a on a backup uh Jets running back or not necessarily?
2: Yeah, I'm I am i am always I'm always gonna look I'm I like hedging. Yeah. So I'm looking at a Michael Carter, Zonovan Knight, uh guys like that towards the end of the draft, if if I'm fading a a running back for sure. Yeah.
0: Now, I love that. So if you're if you're off of a guy, by, by definition, you should be on another guy. I think that's a that's a good way of looking at it. And I will say Nelson just from knowing you and, and the way that you deal with the fade list, I really respect the fact that it's a, you're willing to change it. When you drop the fade list this time of year, if a guy's ADP adjusts or if some news changes or you have a different kind of feel that will change. And I think that that's great. Billy and I talked about earlier, Billy, the uh, the ability to to be kind of fluid with your drafting style and not be not be like dogmatic and not be, set in stone you kind of kind of adhere to that a little bit here billy and also share your thoughts on brief holiday
3: yeah i i'm kind of in the same boat as nelson although i think that at times you have to make exceptions uh because we do have outliers like the adrian peterson year or we have the jamal charles years and so there is exceptions to the rule it is very unlikely there's an exception to the rule that being said we saw some news yesterday that Brees Hall was clocked on next gen going twenty-two miles per hour eight months post surgery. And it got my attention. Um, I was if you would have asked me three days ago, I'd probably be more inside Nelson's corner on this discussion. But after seeing that type of speed, eight months removed from surgery, Brees Hall's young enough, talented enough. I think we could possibly have another exception to the rule this year. It's not a running back I want to bet against, especially given how how well he performed last year and how efficient he was, especially given the stoutness of the defense. I think that you could argue that the beginning of the season may start off slow for him, which is what I've expected in my projections. But when it matters most, he might be one of the most dynamic backs in the league down the stretch, and they might kill us inside the fantasy championships if we don't own him. So I, I agree with Nelson nine out of, 9.9 out of 10 times. This might be that, where I say I have to take some shares. It's not a player that I want to beat me, right? There's several players year in and year out. Chris Godwin was one for me last year. I said, I'm going to make the guy beat me. And here we are, 2023. I'm afraid to have Brees Hall not on my roster, at least to own some shares. I'm not going to go out and own 30%, you know, but I might own 20%, 19%. I want to have some ownership just because he is that kind of player that I think could beat me inside the run down the championship.
2: I, so, I will make a small rebuttal. Um, the, the thing is, the easiest thing for them to do coming off surgery and their recovery is to run in the straight line and and even run fast. My, my issue is more about his lateral agility yeah. and quickness and being able to plant and cut and go upfield. That's the part where there's Absolutely. going to be uh, weakness in that leg, in that knee, and he's going to be favoring it um, physically and mentally. Uh, so there's some hurdles to go, you know, for him to, you know, jump over first before, you know, that's why you see the transformation of the running back getting better as the season goes on. Yep. It, you know, that, that's my only thing. My My thing is if I'm taking, you know, a guy like that, I don't mind taking a player like that that could be like a second half, you know, hero, but you're taking him in the third round um, to to do that. And when you take a player in the third round, like I'm looking for him from day one to be productive in my lineup.
0: Yeah, I'll I'll take a a middle of the road uh, approach from from both of your answers. I don't think he's a full fade for me, although I do have a a lot of reservations uh, based on a lot of the stuff Nelson said and also the fact that Nelson has him on the fade list makes me a little <laughs> bit, a little bit more hesitant to draft him to be completely honest. Um, but I will say that like, we see the market adjust so, so quickly. So the fact that I kind of liked him at like 30th overall, even within the, like the last five days to a week, he moves up. So when he starts going at that end of the second round, then you're talking about him versus Tony Pollard, him versus Chris Alave, Devonta Smith, T Higgins, and the elite, elite quarterbacks in FFPC drafts. So it's kind of like, a, do I want to take a guy that I think could average 20 points per game based on the the elite talent he displayed last year, or do I want to take a guy that has no injuries and is going to produce like a mega stud where that that really that sweet spot right now at that two, three turn. So uh, we're, I'm quite kind of in the middle there. Nelson also shared one of his targets, and this is great, and I think Billy's going to love this one. Um it's Lamar Jackson and Lamar Jackson. Um, you know, this is a guy that people got a, a very good discount at a certain time in best ball when there was, you know, some question marks, but he is very much back in Baltimore with a new offensive coordinator. Nelson, your thoughts on, on Jackson this year.
2: Yeah, I, I think he's going to start receiving some steam here. Um, once, you know, people uh, start, you know, buying in again with the offensive talent that's around him and everything. But, I definitely think there's still some players that um, there's reason see bias and people were burnt uh, by Lamar Jackson last year. He started off on fire. I mean, he was basically the top quarterback. I think the first few weeks of the season, he was on
0: pace to smash like the, the first four games were better than his first four in 2019 by a landslide.
2: Yeah. Yeah. So like he was, he was great. And then things just fizzled and, what happened was I, he was doing it a little bit with smoke and mirrors. Um, and because when you looked at the talent there in in Baltimore and then Greg Roman, his offense kind of got stale. Um, there was there was really no creativity uh, based on watching the games. Uh, it just looked kind of boring what they were trying to do out there. And then you got, you know, Dante Robinson and, and you know, uh, just these scrub wide receivers, so you know, it was a group of hobos
0: basically playing yeah. wide receiver for, for Baltimore last year. Yeah. You yeah. can't even call them
3: receivers.
2: Yeah. Yeah. So it it was, it was ugly. And I'm like, I don't even know how this guy's supposed to get it done with these, these guys. <laughs> and then Bateman got hurt and you know, that was all she wrote. Well, you know, now it's 2023. You got Beckham who, you know, whether you love him or hate him, you know, Beckham's a talented wide receiver. Um, He's recovered from his injury. Um, He knows how to get open. He's a, you know, a professional wide receiver you know, something you couldn't say last year that they had Bateman will be back. Uh, You still got Mark Andrews there. And, and I, I think you have a new voice now at offensive coordinator with Munkin and I think that that helps. It, it just revo- revitalizes everything, the whole offense, the team. Um, so I, I'm expecting a big year from the Ravens offense this year. So that's why he's a, a target of mine.
0: Billy, you bought the dip. You were you, A couple of weeks back, I remember you said Lamar Jackson was the best value on the board at quarterback, and you're absolutely proven. He's steamed up the QB5 in most places behind Burrow. Uh, where are you at right now with with Lamar jackson with the with the
3: correction? Yeah, it's funny because as I go through projections, there's such a tight tier in that quarterback rankings between in my in my projections at least between Burrow, Lamar, and Herbert, and they seemingly seem to always kind of exist in that four, five, six range. Um, Lamar fell to six inside my last update. He went back to four in this update. It's that that tier separated by like two fantasy points, but, I'm fully in on the LaMarche train. I was excited to play in a few Superflex drafts and was able to get him at the back end of round one in many of those drafts, and it was like an instant lock. Uh, I consistently was buying the dip because I loved the fact they went out and got Monkton. He's a run-first OC. We knew he was going to continue to utilize Lamar Jackson's legs. We know they went out and got Odell Beckham, which added at least someone else inside the receiving game so they can rely on someone else outside of Andrews. There was a lot of things to like. It was just pretty much the the uncertainty of the contract and from my point of view is we knew he was going to play we just didn't know exactly where at the time so we knew the talent was going to continue whether it was going to be on baltimore whether it was going to be in atlanta you know i had projected it was baltimore the whole time and here we are now it's rung true and people are now buying him at where he should have been going the entire time so I always like to take advantage whenever you have uncertainty like this, especially when you know that you can count on the talent and you don't. You can just worry about the situation after the fact because some players, regardless of where they land, are going to produce, and Lamar Jackson's one of them.
0: Yeah, I think for me, I have to be a Lamar Jackson because we've seen the, the truly elite, special, game-winning weeks multiple times from him, and the difference between him and a Joe Burrow, a Joe Burrow who I really, really like, is Lamar Jackson. They keep saying, you know, they, they don't want him to run as much. But I think when, you know, the rubber meets the road and the game's on the line, Lamar Jackson ripping off a huge run is always in the game plan. And there's a chance that he could have an outsized number of rushing touchdowns if this offense is very efficient. So I'm with you guys. I think Lamar Jackson's a really, really good value right now. Now let's, let's, uh, let's plant, plant a flag here, fellas. The, all three of the wide receivers are going in a really, really tight range. And they're all very affordable right now. So between Rashad Bateman, Zay Flowers, and Odell Beckham, at cost, who are you on right now? We can start with Nelson.
2: Uh, This is not a cop-out. I I think all three um, go at a a nice price in the draft. So I I think you can pick, you know, a mixture of them and, and, and just be able to have exposure to that whole offense. But, you know, Gun to head, I'm probably going with Bateman.
0: Yeah, I, I, I think that you you hit the nail on the head there, and I think that if you're a drafter of Lamar Jackson, you are able to add two wide receivers as a, as a correlation with him, and they're at such an affordable range that, like, you can grab Zay Flowers in the 10th round, and and I took Odell in the 11th the other day. Like, you could have those two guys, and you could all always take Bateman's going, you know, in F- we're talking FFPC ADP here a little higher for NFFC, but you can grab two of those guys with Jackson and hope one of them turns into a weekly wide receiver too, which I say I think is in the range of outcomes. Billy Muzio, where are you at on a Ravens wide receiver
3: from projection standpoint? I have Odell Beckham at 18% of the target share. I have Rashad Bateman at 17% of the target share and I have Zay at 13% of the target share. I I think Zay is the odd man out inside of the numbers for me, but I agree with Nelson. If you're drafting multiple teams, you want to interchange them in your builds, and you want to have ownership of all three just because it is so tightly knit that you have the ability to do so. That being said, I'm probably probably picking Bateman just because of the talent and the age. I know he's still coming off injury, but I think he has the talent to shine through here. And I think that Odell will probably gather some attention from the defense, which will open up more lanes for Bateman. And then of course we have Andrews as well. Um, so even though I have Bateman projected for, you know, the lower target share 17 versus the 18, I do think he has the ability to really surpass expectations and to uh, probably get closer to the thousand yard mark than any of the other two have the ability to, Um you know, but I think Odell Beckham probably has more touchdowns. So there's upside and downside to each of these players. Um, I think DuBernet, I mean, I think Bateman at least has the ability to to be the number one in this offense.
0: I think that's a, that's a really, you guys both have really interesting approaches with this. One wide receiver who is not discounted, who's gotten steamed way, way up, uh, and for good reason, in my opinion, is Garrett Wilson. Billy and I can sit this one out because last week, Billy and I dropped an hour and a half plus with Josh Larkey, where we only looked at wide receivers. It was a great episode. I uh, highly recommend everybody check that out. It was fantastic. Nelson, your thoughts on Garrett Wilson, where he's getting drafted. How excited are you about him?
2: I I wouldn't say I'm excited uh, about him. I, I think I can see why he's going where he's going, which is, you know, second round. Um, and in a NFFC draft that I did just the other day he actually made it to the back end of the first round um Aaron Rodgers is there he's a talented kid I totally get it but I'm probably not going to have too much exposure he's not a fade but I'm not going to have too much exposure to him because I am going to take you know Amonra uh CD Lamb Devontae Adams you know I'd be interested in those guys before I go and and you know, fire up Garrett Wilson over AJ Brown. You know, you know guys like that. <laughs> what, what was so this hour and a half show that you guys did with Larky? What What was the consensus, or was that?
3: I was on an island with you,
0: Nelson? Okay. Larky and I, Mark <laughs> and I, both really like Garrett Wilson at a, at his ADP a lot more than Billy does, and we made a more of a bull argument. I want to follow up on one thing you said though, Nelson. One guy that Larky and Billy were both negative on is Devonte Adams. Do you have fear of the Jimmy Garoppolo situation with Adams, or is he such a target vacuum that you think he's a little bit quarterback averse right now?
2: no, he he's just too good of a player. Uh, Josh McDaniels knows how to you know, scheme him open, uh, get targets to him, and Garoppolo's not, you know he's not any worse than Derek Carr as a quarterback and being able to process the field and get the ball to him. So I'm, I'm not, I'm not really worried about that. Billy.
0: I'm not, I'm not doing the clapping for that one. Don't yeah. Billy, Billy, Billy's, <laughs> Billy's like steaming right now. He's like, going to be really mad about that, that response. Um, But I want to, so I want to get from each of you guys, Billy, who's a a breakout player that you're looking at? You know, when I say breakout player to me, it's a player with some unknown upside that's going to have his best fantasy season this year that we haven't seen from him in the past. It might be a second-year guy, might be a you know a third- or fourth-year guy that just hasn't broken through. Who's Give us a breakout player, Billy, somebody you're really, really excited on. Um, I know Chris Alave is one of them. You can kind of quickly share your thoughts on him and maybe give another one.
3: Yeah, I, I'm going to pass on Alave just because I've talked about him so much. Um, I've been talking about Rondell Moore a lot as well, so I think I'll focus in, in that area. Um, especially with the departure of DeAndre Hopkins that opens up roughly 23% of the target share. It's a lot of targets inside this offense. We know this offense is going to be bad. They're going to be playing from behind. Uh, they're going to be throwing the ball a lot and they're going to have an inexperienced quarterback in the beginning of the season to be determined how long inexperienced quarterbacks usually favor the slot receiver, usually favor the running back and dump offs, usually favor the tight end. So that's going to benefit Rondell more directly who is consistently catching balls behind the line of scrimmage and in the short intermediate area of the field. Um, even at a lower than expected pass rate compared to other years, Rondell Moore still comes in, in my projections at an 18% target share, which is 107 targets inside this offense. And we look at the raw numbers just based upon what he's done historically, and health has been his major concern. But when on the field, he has been able to you know garner separation because he's running such short routes. Which is going to also allow him to get the ball from an experienced quarterback, and so I do have him projected for you know modest 705 receiving yards, which is 5.8 touchdowns. It's nothing outstanding, but if you look at where he's going in terms of cost and and where he comes in the projections, uh, in my projections he comes in as wide receiver number. Where do you move here? Wide receiver 42 and you can have him. I mean, he's starting to climb in drafts finally, but he was going as late as like wide receiver, 60, 65 in some drafts. And we knew that DeAndre Hopkins was on the move. Again, this is one of those things to talk about where you take advantage of uncertainty because you can gamble and say DeAndre Hopkins was most likely on the move. So we know that we're going to see a bump in production from all of these pass catchers, whether it's Marquise Brown, Rondell Moore, Trey McBride, even James Connor. And so take advantage of that uncertainty and, and, Cash in on it once it actually happens. And, and I think Rondell Moore is going to do that this year.
0: I took Rondell Moore at the 14-11 in a football guys this week. So it's like I, I love when 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 players like Billy and Nelson make me feel good about my selection. So /11, you made me feel really good about that pick, Billy. And I'll say for me, I, I still can't get over how low uh, the market is treating Traylon Burks, which is a player that people were more mm. excited to take last year than they are this year. And this year, he has all of the target share ahead of him. We have question marks about the offense, but there's nobody going in, in his range of the draft with a potential uh, higher target share, as my opinion, than, than Traylon Burks. He's going as wide receiver 34 on FFPC. I think he's wide receiver 39 on underdog. And I took him at the 702 the other night. I think that ADP is going to rise up in FFPC, I think, by like the time we draft in main events. I bet you he's going closer to the 601 than the 702. Um, but I, for me, it's like he seems like the kind of guy that people would be more excited to draft based on the draft capital, based on how we treated him last year. So for me, at his cost right now, he's, a, he's definitely a breakout for me. Uh, Nelson, any thoughts on Moore and Burks, and then give us a breakout guy on, that you're looking at.
2: Yeah, I mean, um, I don't mind Moore, but um, my strategy this year, just based on how I'm going to draft, um, Moore's probably not going to enter the equation too often with um, the way I'm building my teams because I'm going to be going mostly wide receiver heavy at the beginning of the draft. So, where he's going, I'm not really going to be looking at wide receiver anymore. I'm going to be pretty much, you know, done at that position. Um, but I, I, I like Rondell Moore and then Traylon Burks is a target of mine. Um, so he's definitely a guy that I'm interested in, uh, this year. And, um, yeah, I I think the one guy that you know I can't get over, um, and I'm gonna be back in on him this year is gonna be Kadarius Tony. Um, unless Hopkins signs with Kansas City, um, Tony's definitely gonna be part of my uh my plans this year.
0: I love hearing that, Nelson, because that's been a polarizing um situation for drafters. Last night on the Goat District, uh, Mark Garcia, aka Hilo, is also a super sharp guy from the 33rd team. He's huge on Tony as well. Me and you drafted a little bit of Tony last year together, Nelson. So it's like, th- it's great to see those guys, you going back to the well, even after a disappointing year. But I think the interesting thing about Tony is he has a healthy offseason. And he also is in a situation where a team really likes him, as opposed to last year where he was unhealthy and like the organization kind of hated him. So it's, uh, It it's write That one down, everybody. There's some sharp money right now on Kadarius Tony one player who was much like Tony was a second year wide receiver last year that really, really let a lot of people down was Elijah Moore. Uh, Elijah Moore finds himself in Cleveland. There's a little bit of buzz this week. Um, I may have contributed the buzz by, by tweeting out a video of him catching a ball and getting hyped about him and Watson. Um, So I'm part of the hype train guys. But I want to get your opinion on Elijah Moore. I still have a ton of Elijah Moore in Dynasty. I love the talent. I drafted him last year. I want to be back on it this year. Where are you at, Nelson?
2: He just feels like he's going to be one of those hype guys that's just going to gain steam as the draft season goes. And I'm probably just not going to be interested in him where he's going to end up in drafts. I one thing that I've learned through the years is to stay grounded during these OTAs. I mean, they're glorified seven on sevens with, you know, you're in shorts and cleats and it, it's just a whole different ball game. You know, it it's practice. There's you don't need to get too too crazy. Um it's it's amazing though, um to see guys where they go in drafts just based on like Day to day, with you know, on Twitter and you see a video and all of a sudden this is like the new guy that, you know, everyone's got to have. They're they're falling all all over, tripping over each other, trying to draft this guy who can draft them, you know, quicker. So those kind of guys, you got to remain grounded on and just realize that, listen, it's it's just practice. It's just OTAs. It's a new offense that he's going to. I do like Elijah Moore. With that said, I think he's a talented kid. But I I do think that that offense, you know, it's it's Amari Cooper with Watson and and then everyone else kind of sprinkled in. And then, you know, don't forget about Chubb. So, uh, you know, where he's probably going to end up. I'm just going to guess that right now, where's Elijah going like eighth round in drafts? I didn't check the last
0: few days, but I, I believe it's it's going to, It's I agree with you, it's going to steam up. He seems like the kind of guy that's going to be a seventh-round pick in the NFFC and and probably an eighth-round pick in the FFPC. Billy, would you kind of agree that's where he's headed?
3: Yeah, we're and we're seeing the ADP just climb, and I agree with Nelson. I, I'm out at cost right now. Um, I, I haven't really particularly been high on a lot of Brown players outside of Chubb. Uh, I think Chubb's in for a monster season, but I, I'm not really crazy about any of the receiving options, just because I have concerns with with, with you know uh, Watson and what this offense is going to look like here in 2023. In terms of Elijah Moore in particular, like People's Jones is still there. It's not like he was just scrub last year. Like People's Jones was actually pretty active on the field and had some surprising surprisingly good stats i mean he was like wide receiver 30 to 35 consistently every single week and it's not as if he's just going to disappear so we know he's still going to be involved in the offense um you know they still have a talented tight end they still have chubb they still have Mari cooper so there's a lot of mouths to feed in this offense and i just don't think that elijah Moore adp justifies uh the cost and what you where you're able to get him in drafts and what you can get elsewhere
0: Shout out to Dan Williamson, who's in the chat. He'll be on First Class Fantasy next week with Andrew Cooper when we do a tight end special, uh, which is going be, to be a lot of fun. Uh, guys, I want to keep this thing going. We have DeAndre Hopkins' situation out there, a player that we're very excited about. I know Billy and, and Nelson, you guys both love the player. I love the player as well. Where will we be on DeAndre Hopkins if he lands with Kansas City? And where will we be with DeAndre Hopkins if he lands with Buffalo? There's some reports out today saying that Buffalo will not pay him what Baltimore paid Odell. I don't know if we put any weight to that, but let's say these two teams are the teams that seem like the likely destinations for a guy chasing a ring. Where will you consider DeAndre Hopkins if he is a Kansas City Chief? Start on that one, Nelson.
2: I, I think he's going where he belongs if he lands with either team, which is, you know, the draft. That I did the just the other day. He went in the third round, and I think consistently he's probably fourth round
3: FFPC. Yeah, that's about. Yeah. right. he's been climbing, yeah. but yes,
2: I you know that's probably where that's probably where he needs to be. Um, if he if he lands with either a team, I, I I still think that with Kansas City, Kelsey's still the number one. Um, but there's an again there there's enough targets to, um for Hopkins to pay off that, that price tag. And in Buffalo Diggs is still going to be the number one, but I, again, there's enough balls to go around that, you know, he can pay off that price tag. So I, either way I would still, you know, be interested in Hopkins, but I, I think he's, there's no discount right now. I, I think he's getting drafted where he probably, you know, should be.
0: Similar range for both landing spots based on the quality of the offense. Is that safe to say
2: Nelson? That That's how I'm looking at it.
0: Billy, is there an offense you prefer for, for D hops to land in of those two?
3: Yeah, it'd be Kansas city. There's a lot more, you know, uncertainty of the position, you know, Tony as talented as he is, let's all face it. We know that he could pull a hamstring next week and, and be out during camp and miss the first two weeks of the pre of season and then have this lingering issue and come in and have explosive games and then, you know, retweak. And so I love Tony as a, as a player and as a talent, but his his injury, rep. You know his injuries have me very concerned in terms of season long ability. Um, if we were to see Hopkins in Kansas City, I think it's very clear he'd be the one B. I think I, I don't think we could classify him as the two. I think that him and Kelsey would probably split that role pretty evenly in terms of target share. Uh, we're probably talking you know twenty two, twenty three percent of target share for DeAndre Hopkins, maybe slightly more. Um, it's going to be the other receivers that are going to be completely out now at that point. I think that Hopkins right now, ADP, if he lands in Kansas City, would probably be floor. I think if it happened, we'll probably see him climb into that 2-3 turn um, pretty consistently in the earlier part of that turn, so the end of 2. But I think that people right now are, again, just not drafting him based on the uncertainty. His ADP has, has rose because he's no longer in Arizona and because now his upside has potential for more. But I don't think that his ADP has seen the ceiling yet.
2: Now I'm I'm curious. Sorry, Theo. Just to to Billy's, what um, what is it that you see that would be like a detriment or or a negative if he landed in Buffalo?
3: Uh, It's not that it's it's a negative, but in terms of expected pass rate, like Kansas City for me is projected to have the second most pass attempts inside the NFL behind the chargers inside my projections. So I haven't projected for 650 pass attempts where Buffalo is 600. So it's, it's only a difference of 50, 50 attempts in projections, but still that goes a long ways and, and it could be less, it could be more, but I do think that Kansas city is going to be um, more pass heavy, which in turn will give Hopkins more chances to be successful for more touchdowns, whatever it may be. And so it is a, a, you know, a slight dip in the number, but it's, you know, nearly, what is that? Seven and a half percent more attempts in Kansas city. And so just from a pure number projection standpoint, I tend to go with the more pass heavy team.
0: Yeah. I'll say that I would be more excited to have him if he was a Kansas city chief, slightly more than Buffalo. I'm kind of, I'm kind of with Billy on this one. I see where Nelson, like the, the counter argument is kind of, he's, he's such a great player such a commanding presence that it wouldn't really matter. He's on a great offense either way. But I think for me, it would be that there's more of a threat with Josh Allen. I, I know they want to get away from it, but there's always a chance that it could be a Josh Allen mega touchdown year on the ground. It just isn't. It's always a, in the range of outcomes with Buffalo where we don't have to worry about that with, with Mahomes. I think that Hopkins could be a little bit more efficient in the red zone. But like Nelson said, it's I, I, I'd like to have him with either team. And Nelson, if he gets up to that range where he's in the two-three turn, would you probably be out on that if if he steams up that hard?
2: Um, no, I would. I would still, I would still draft him there. I, I just think that you know, he he's going in the range that he, there's no like he- steep discount right now in drafts, Good. and you know sometimes you see that where you know there's a relative unknown like. You know, for example, like Dalvin Cook. Um, You know, I think right now there's unknown, even though he is on a team, but everyone's expecting that he's going to get released, and then it's kind of like, okay, it's a game of musical chairs. Where you know, where's he going to go? There's kind of there's bodies everywhere um, in the running back seats on every team. So if Dalvin goes somewhere, he's going to have face some type of stiff competition for touches. so he's going at a heavy discount, but what if he? What if he just stays in Minnesota? You know, and not to get off subject, but I'm just at, that's an example where I think Dalvin would would probably move up uh, a few rounds if, if he was to stay in Minnesota. So you know, with Hopkins, that's how I'm looking at it. I'm just seeing like there's really no discount. So even if he moves up a few spots, you know, I'd still be interested in in Hopkins. I didn't see. Last year, when he came back from his suspension, I didn't see any, um, uh, you know, any, uh, you know, he, he didn't look like, he looked like the Hopkins of old. Uh, there, there was nothing that showed that he was uh, dropping off at all.
0: Yeah, we we had some DeAndre Hopkins, uh, Nelson, on and, and FFC. Um, and another player that we had rostered on our New York Super Team, was Travis ETN. This is more of a general question for both of you. There's been like a little bit of steam with Tank Bigsby, like a little bit of a drip, uh, kind of a news drip, where Tank Bigsby is going to take a have a, a weekly role. Uh, there's some apprehension with, with ETN, not a whole lot. He's still getting drafted about the same way. But what are your expectations for ETN? And a follow-up is, how do you react to off-season news, Nelson? How do you sift through it? what's and decide what's real, what's actionable, and what's just fluff fill-in stuff for Twitter?
2: That's a good question. Um well to answer the first part with ETN um and, and Bigsby, I'm I'm definitely a pro ETN um, guy and I think he's very talented player. Um so I would like to say that I don't really worry too much about Bigsby. Um, but, I mean, that that's just the trend in the NFL. The trend in the NFL is, you know, get multiple backs uh, involved in the offense, um, take some of the workload off of, you know, just one – not having just one guy uh, with a huge workload. So I, I think that's expected. I, I think, you know, Bigsby coming in, you know, that's kind of what it was last year, you know, when – that they had, you know, a couple of guys that were mixing in, but it was basically um, uh, Hasty, right? Jermichael Hasty that was, you know, giving uh, ETN a breather here and there and, and stuff. So, you know, where ETN goes, he goes like third round. Um, again, it's all about structure, uh, where he's going. I'm probably not going to, as much as I, I like the player, I'm probably not going to have too much exposure to him. Um, so does that, does that answer your question as far as the situation? No.
0: Yeah. And for sure. And just sort of follow up. How do you react to like, like news in general? Like, are you looking for like a slow drip where it's a steady drum beat of the same thing? Or are there certain, are there certain beat writers you respect more? I mean, how do you approach it, Nelson?
2: I've learned that, um, this time during the season, um, there's a lot of hype. I I think there's a lot of beat reporters out there that they're just, they're reporting what they're seeing and which, which is fine. But I I think there's, you know, there's too much, too much hype. And I don't, I just don't go for it. um, These days, you know, I'm, I'm looking more of, you know, just stay even keel, you know, don't, you got to stay grounded um, and, and not, you know, fall in love with, you know, a certain player and he's getting hyped up, you know, in the off season, because, you know, things change. And um, for me, I'm looking for more of like, it's good to see, it's a positive. um, But I I don't think that if we look back and we were to do like a, a study on all the reports uh, from beat reporters and everything. Um, Not every, I would say there's more misses than hits on what came to fruition Um, when, you know, they were hyping up certain players. I think what ends up happening is those players get overdrafted and they end up having, you know, uh, a disappointing season for what we were expecting. It it sets false expectations.
0: I think that's a great, I think that's a great answer, Nelson. I think that it's also, we're at a time where things re- the reactions are much more quick, information has dropped much more quick, and we have a lot more sources of information than we did 10 years ago, not even close. But I do think that there's once in a while during the summer where if there's a continual drip and a continual hype and you're hearing it from coaches and media, then I kind of pay attention. I think about the year that Michael Thomas – had all the steam from Sean Payton from the beat writers and he became such a value. And then he actually produced. So I think that's like, again, I think most of it's nonsense, but I think occasionally, uh, I try to listen when it seems like it's coming from all sides, Billy, your thoughts on, on how we should react to this time of year, the news drip, the hype machine, the Theo tweets showing a guy catching the ball in shorts.
3: Yeah, I'm. I'm more on Nelson's side here. I, I tend to just try to fade out the noise and and just. It, I do though. On, on to your point, if it's coming from every angle, then sure, we have to pay attention. But if like the seven on seven, one catch across the middle with no linebacker there to hit him, I mean, come on. I'm not watching those videos and moving a guy up half around in my projections because he caught a pass with nobody guarding him. And so I think we have to take all that with a grain of salt. In terms of Travis Etienne, I think he's probably going slightly ahead of where I would like to draft him. Not much, but just maybe ever so slightly, maybe half a round. Uh, I, I do think that you know he's going to be the number one back in this offense, but it's the lack of involvement in the passing game, which is what we thought he was going to be kind of the focal point for this offense when they drafted him. And I would I expected him to be closer to like a 10 to 12% target share kind of guy when he came out of college. and. It just hasn't. We just didn't see it last year. Like we only saw 45 targets. I would have expect. I would have liked to have seen closer to like 60 to 65 from him. And I think in order for him to, you know, remain value or to to regain value on that, you're going to want to see him closer to that mark. Especially because he averaged over five yards a carry last year. We're probably expecting that to dip slightly. So he's going to lose some 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 efficiency in the the running game. He has some competition now inside the running game. So there's there's a few red flags and you just can't ignore. Don't get me wrong, I like the player, I like the talent, but when all these things are kind of pointing to the possibility of him being slightly overdrafted, you have to pay attention. And so I think that Travis Etienne is slightly over overvalued right now for me.
0: Follow up here, guys. Uh, neither one of you said anything over here about Tank Bigsby, but I want to stay on backup running backs. Is there a particular backup running back that you think is very attractive at cost or a guy that you just want exposure to because maybe you doubt the starter? Uh, start with Nelson on this one. Uh, or, you know, I'll give you guys mine. The backup running back that I, I find myself wanting to draft and have exposure to is Jalen Warren. Uh, I've talked about him earlier on the show. I want to have Jalen Warren. I think Najee Harris has been very fortunate with uh, you know, the games he's played versus missing games, and I think that Jalen Warren, to me, would be somewhat of a like-for-like replacement with a coach that always gets a lot out of his RB1 historically – Jalen Warren's a second-year guy. Uh, he made the team last year as an undrafted free agent and earned a role, which kind of speaks volumes to, to his talent, in my opinion. Uh, so Jalen Warren would be my flag plant handcuff running back. Uh, Nelson, is there a, a handcuff running back or even a third-stringer that you're really, really intrigued by?
2: Uh, Malik Davis with the uh, Dallas Cowboys. That, that's the guy that I'm interested in. Um, if, if they don't bring anyone you know, in from here to training camp, um, I'm probably just going to end up drafting him every every draft. And it's not so much that I don't believe in Pollard. It's just that when that kid got a chance to play, he flashed to me. And I think that will speak volumes. If uh, Jerry Jones doesn't go and bring in like a veteran running back and they, they leave the running back room alone, the way it is, that probably is a vote of confidence for Malik Davis and um, you know, Pollard is, you know, you never know. He, I, I think Davis will have a role week to week. Uh, Cause they're not just going to hand Pollard, you know, this like Derrick Henry, you know, type of uh, volume. So I think he'll, he'll be productive. Uh, but if there was a Pollard injury, I think he's got the juice to, to be, you know, pretty productive in that offense.
0: I love that. Mark Garcia Hilo was also on, on Malik Davis. And I know just to show how thorough Nelson is with his waivers, uh Malik Davis made made your waiver wire watch list last year too, yeah. um, which was 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 pretty cool. Uh, Billy, give us a handcuff that you're excited about. I
3: feel like it's cheating, but it's Jamal Williams. Uh when you look at the the upcoming suspension that's most likely going to happen uh for Alvin Kamara, it's going to really condense this. Overall rushing share of this backfield. And we saw the success that he had in Detroit. And I don't expect it to be anywhere near that amount of success. But we are probably talking about 40 to 50% of the rush share once Alvin Kamara is suspended. And that's going to open up a lot of opportunity for him. It, It goes from a three and a half headed monster, like currently, where you have Kamara, Jamal Williams, Kendrick Miller, and Taysom Hill all involved in the running game, to just being Jamal Williams a rookie Kendrick Miller and Taysom Hill. So I think it's going to open up a lot of chances for him to, to to capture on. And we know that he's involved inside the passing game a little bit. He's been very reliable in the red zone. I think that he's going to definitely, as, as Nelson said, kind of Dalvin Cook thing, it's going to jump ADP significantly once we have some clarity on Alvin Kamara.
0: Yeah, I like that one a lot, Billy. Um, wanted to to keep this running back conversation going. Last year, we saw an impressive amount of hits, like big-time hits, out of the low end RB2s and especially the RB3s, uh, Ramondre Stevenson, who at the end of the summer, I guess you could have called him, he, he snuck into the top 24, but he was an RB3 for most of the summer. Uh, Tony Pollard, Miles Sanders, Josh Jacobs, all of those guys smashed, all of uh, and you know, a few of those guys helped people win leagues. Are there any low-end RB2s, RB3s, and even RB4s that you guys are really, really, really excited about? Start with Nelson.
2: Uh, so when you say, like, RB2s, uh, you're talking about, like, draft guys, one.
3: ADP-wise, yeah. not, not on their team. So,
0: yeah, so, no, no. Yeah, like, uh, or we, could, we could start so with like, somebody. Yeah. Like yeah, RB13 through
3: 24?
0: No, RB24. Yeah, RB24 like, RB on. Getting drafted. Like low-end. Low-end. Yeah, on. yeah, yeah.
2: Cam Akers, Isaiah Pacheco, uh. DeAndre Swift, Rashard White, you know, those are all guys that um, are of interest to me uh, just based on where they're going in in drafts. Uh, Miles Sanders, Brian Robinson, you know, th- those are kind of some of the guys off the top of my head that I, I would be interested in, especially in a in a a structure where you're you're going like wide receiver heavy, you know, elite quarterback or elite tight end.
3: Nelson pick I'm, one Brian Robinson or Antonio Gibson. Robinson, hands down. I,
0: I love I love that I love your conviction on that Nelson. We 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 both like Antonio Gibson on the show. Maybe you could elaborate just a little bit on why Robinson uh is it the the Eric Bieniemy or is it is it the market just being a little low on Robinson? Is
3: it year 2? What is it for you? It's the 20 touches for 40 yards? Yeah,
1: yeah <laughs> I
2: mean I I just I mean he's he's coming. he came off I mean for him to even make the football field after what he went through, yeah. um, I, I kind of give him a pass um, as far as his overall production. To me, it's it, what spoke volumes was just the the coaching staff, tr- you know, trusting him and, you know, Gibson at the end of the day, just failing, you know, and it's now been a couple of years in a row where um, I, I, I hate the label of injury prone, but I don't like using that word but like some guys just get dinged up man just all the time they they just have problems with you know staying healthy and I think the coaching staff you know probably is a little bit salty with you know with Gibson and and him being always banged up I think he's a really talented kid but I think that they trust Robinson so where you know I got him 10th round in, in a draft uh which is probably I'm not sure on ADP, but I know Gibson went a couple of rounds before him. So yeah, give me Robinson in the 10th round instead of Gibson in the eighth.
0: I love a lot of the, the running backs you listed Nelson, especially for your style of drafting, where a lot of times you can go wide receiver, wide receiver, start and make up for it with some of these guys. Billy and I have been on Rashad white. Um, you know, I'm Billy's Billy's on cam makers. I've I'm higher on Deandre Swift than, than Billy. Uh, miles Sanders is an interesting one. Um, Billy, want to maybe
3: your share. your a couple of guys that you're into. It, it's, he mentioned most of the names. I mean, I love the cam makers. I don't think he enlisted David Montgomery, who I do like, um, at, at that range. I have my RB 26 in my rankings playing behind, arguably one of the best lines, if not the best line of football right now. Uh, Isaiah Pacheco is another name as well. He mentioned, um, I actually have Brian Robinson in this area as well. It's just, I have Gibson there as well. um, you could throw in Dalvin cook in this conversation because he's been going in this area as well. And I think he'll probably outperform Rashad white Dobbins is actually been climbing, but has been going in this area is another one, a year removed from injury um, who was explosive, even with that hitch in his run down the stretch. He's, so. he's a
2: great bounce back.
3: One. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. I love his cost and ADP and in the run first offense, you have, you know, uh, Lamar back who's going to open up lanes. So Dobbins is one of my primary targets in this range. Um, so a lot of the similar names here. I'm going to throw out just a random name who's going a little bit later, but can also be included here, and that's Smya Pirine, just because of the you know amount of opportunities he's going to have to start the season uh, with Javante recovering from that gruesome knee injury. So those a lot of these a lot of the same names as Nelson, though.
0: Yeah, I'll say one name that I'd like to throw in there that's actually being drafted outside of run, under running back two land, kind of a high end RB three right now is James Conner. The last two seasons, he's he's finished as running back seven and running back nine in points per game. Right now, he's going like running back 27, 28, 29. It's going to be an ugly offense, but he's going to get so much volume, and he also has a receiving upside uh, in that offense. So I'm I'm in on Connor. I think the Arizona Cardinals are so beat up that there's going to be a few discounts just based on the fact that nobody wants to draft those guys, and there's a lot of fear of that. Um, the last question I want to get in for Nelson is: Last year, Jacksonville made major strides and propelled several ADP wins. Miami did the same. There was a number of uh, Seattle had a had a had a bunch of ADP wins based on just the offense overperforming. Is there an offense that could break out this upcoming season that is that could propel multiple players to ADP wins? We've asked a lot of a lot of analysts um this question and we've had some interesting responses i'm wondering if there's one you have an eye on
2: yeah uh i'm high on the giants um i have saquon as my number one ranked running back um in, in fantasy and... write it down
0: everybody write this down everyone nelson just gave away a huge one i love that nelson keep going
2: uh you know i have waller pretty high up I, i'm i'm a fan of his and i think daniel jones I, For the most part, again, I'm drafting one of those early quarterbacks. Uh, Some of the guys that we talked about, you know, Lamar Jackson, Justin Herbert, you know, uh, Josh Allen, Hurts, you know, I'm interested in any of those guys. But I think Daniel Jones is definitely a guy um, right after that second tier of of the quarterbacks goes. I think he's the guy that with his running ability and second year in the Dable offense, I I think you're going to see, especially with uh, a little more talent now uh, surrounding him, hopefully Wandale Robinson is healthy. I I think you're going to see where Daniel Jones could, you know, propel himself as like, uh, you know, a top quarterback and finish like, I mean, I wouldn't, he has the talent and the offensive coordinator in the system to finish as like a top five QB. I'm not, I'm not going crazy saying that that's what he's going to do because he's got to beat out a lot of talented quarterbacks, but I, I think he's got the potential for it.
0: I love that uh, Nelson, and it, you mentioned Wandell. Is there another? Is that the wide receiver you would target if you're going to draft a Giants wide receiver?
2: Uh, I, I like I like Slayton. Also, um, I think we're a year away on on Hyatt, uh, so I wouldn't worry too much about him. Um, you know. Uh, yeah, it, it's probably between those two guys that I'd be interested in. But I'm I'm mostly interested in uh, Saquon and Waller.
0: I love it. I love the answer. Um, N- Nelson, let everybody know where they can find you and the work you're having coming out.
2: Uh, at FTN Fantasy. Um, I, again, I have my rankings up right now. I have a cheat sheet uh, to help you uh, draft with. I have my fade list up and currently working on a targets list and I'll have a uh, for best ball. I'll have a um, undervalued uh, list of players Um, just, you know, little pockets of value that I see in underdog, you know, best ball drafts and things like that. Uh, So you can go over to FTN fantasy for that.
0: Billy, what do you have coming up on the dominator tomorrow?
3: Dominator Matt's back in town. We're doing the dominator draft. uh, And we did the, Yesterday, man versus machine, we re- recorded with Dario. We went over the NFC South projections. So, we're moving just division by division. So, each week we'll talk about a different division. We'll talk about the projections for those teams for all the fantasy relevant players. You can awesome. catch it on YouTube.
0: And then you can find Billy and I. We will both be popping into the FFPC stream. We will both retweet it from our accounts. Highly recommend you guys check out the hard draft tonight. It's usually some very beneficial, uh, you know, flag plants from some of the best players in the games. Nelson, you were super, super generous with your information and your knowledge. Everybody follow the franchise. Everybody consider subscribing to his work. Billy and I will be back next week on First Class Fantasy for a tight end episode. If you like the Josh Larky episode, you're going to love Andrew Cooper. Andrew Cooper is the Matt Harmon of tight ends. He's fantastic from Fantasy Alarm. And Dan Williamson is one of the best tight end drafters in the high-stakes streets at the FFPCs, the tight end whisperer. So we're we're back next week. Everybody have an Awesome rest of your day and uh, stick with us all off season.
1: Hey, I want to take a moment to thank you for tuning in. It's important to me that all of our media be free. This is only possible because of you